Hey friend, and welcome back to the Alex Makes VR podcast. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the most important part of your VR experience, which is the onboarding. That's right, the onboarding experience. This follows on really nicely from what we talked about last week, which was distributing your work. If you've not listened to that episode, I would highly recommend listening to the three ways to distribute your virtual reality projects. It's going to set the landscape for this episode. So following on, you've picked picked the way that you're going to distribute your VR project. Now you have to really give a lot of care and attention to the onboarding experience. How is someone who has never done your VR experience before going to understand the rules of the immersive experience? If you have a bad onboarding process, it will break the illusion of immersion. Your audience will be agitated and anxious and not really know what they're doing. And it can completely kill a project. Okay, you can have the best VR experience project in the world. You can have put as much money and time and energy into a project. It could be the most beautifully polished, the most well thought through project. But if you fail to create an onboarding experience that makes it seamless and easy for your audience to get into that zone, to just forget their surroundings and be fully immersed in your project, then ultimately your project will fail. It just will. So this applies whether you are a creative VR filmmaker or creator making something for the arts and um, and culture sector, or if you are a commercial VR creator that is working with corporate clients or, um, you know, all the different sectors. Once you've picked the way that you are going to distribute your VR project, have a think about the step-by-step process of the onboarding of your audience. Now, in in the last episode, we talked about those three different ways that you could distribute. So very quickly, that is direct to audience via something like the app stores, um, remote service where you kind of create the experience and then you just remotely um, ship it off to clients and audiences so they have to do the kind of the setup Uh, and then location base which is where you basically run a physical event to to facilitate um, a VR experience so obviously the onboarding for those three things are very very different the onboarding experience looks very different Let's talk about the onboarding of, uh, well, let's start with location-based because that's the most obvious one. When you're doing a location-based VR experience, the onboarding is obviously going to be um, very, very important, but also really the emphasis is on you and your team to make that run smoothly. That's the beauty of doing something in person. You have control, you can troubleshoot, you can make people feel at ease. Um, I've done episodes in the past where I talk about my experience facilitating a pop-up VR cinema uh, here in Leicester um, at the Phoenix Cinema uh, with some funding from the BFI where we basically ran a six-month cinema to see how audiences, uh, traditional cinema audiences, enjoyed the experience of VR films. And one of the key things that I learned very, very, very quickly was that we needed to streamline 
our onboarding process. So when audience members came in, one of the first things we did is, you know, don't touch the equipment yet. Just, you know, just relax into the environment, get comfy on your swivel chair. Um, even, even the choice of having a swivel chair is part of the onboarding journey. Okay, we knew we were going to be showing 360 degree films where people would need or want to kind of curiously look around. They had to have a mobility. We could have we could have chosen to show the VR cinema in a traditional VR cinema screening, but that wouldn't have been very conducive to the experiences we were showing. Do you see what I mean? Even little attention to detail like that is part of the onboarding. The next part was, you know, telling them what to expect. You're about to experience a VR film. This is what, you know, what's coming up, kind of prepping them. Um, it's, it's kind of a strange time for this medium because when you think about like going to the cinema, you don't really need the onboarding because it's all kind of like baked in, right? You know that you're going to go into a room, you're going to sit in your chair, get comfy, you're going to watch some adverts, some trailers, then the lights are going to go dark and you're going to watch your film. It's baked into culture that we know that that's what's going to happen. For someone that's never done VR before, they have no clue what's about to happen. They're, as far as they're concerned, they're going to try this alien technology that they've never done before. They're in a weird space. They're kind of exposed because they're about to put something on their face that they don't know how to use. They've never done it before. And they're surrounded by strangers and they have to kind of like trust um, that you guys know what you're doing and that you're going to guide them through it. Okay, so that idea of like prepping them saying this is a VR experience this is what's going to happen in a second we're going to put our headsets on this is what you're going to see if you can't see this specific thing put your hand up I'm going to come and have a look because it means that you're not in the right place okay and usually I would make a joke up top about the fact that this is very new technology and so please bear with us you know don't be afraid to put your hand up if you think something's um, wrong with the the experience the key thing that I kept saying to audiences, no matter how um, often they had been to the VR cinema, is do not put your headphones on yet. Wait until the experience starts and then put your headphones on. Why is that? Because they can't see anything. Because <laughs> once that VR headset's on, they can't see. And I need a way to be able to communicate with them. I need to, uh, if they are, if they're in the wrong place or, um, or they need help adjusting the headset, anything like that, I need to be able to communicate with them. So one of the key things I learned really early on with the onboarding was do not put your headphones on just yet. So then obviously I'm going into nitty gritty detail here, but you see what I mean? These are the kinds of details that you need to pay attention to when you are onboarding in a location-based experience. And obviously, again, you've got a lot more control over the situation when it's in person because I can say, okay, what can you see? Can you see this? That's perfect. Okay, what you're going to do in a second is you're going to stare at the start button. It's going to automatically start. Then you can put your headphones on or you know, oh, can you see this? Great. Okay. I'm, I'm going to put this controller in your hand, or maybe they've already got it in the hand. You can um, point this at the button, click the trigger so that it starts and you'll start your experience, whatever it might be. All these things, you have to assume that they know nothing. Okay. I remember really vividly once going to a, a VR film festival and experiencing something where the person who was facilitating it didn't, they'd never done the experience themselves. So they didn't know how it worked. It was, it was one that required you to use controllers. Uh, it was on a rift. And I remember I sat down and 
I was sat in this experience for 10 minutes and well 10 minutes probably an exaggeration it felt like 10 minutes but I was looking around I had no idea how to start this experience there was no start button and this is someone who you know was very well versed with VR at this point but I had no clue what to do. So I took the headset off and I said to the person running it, I said, I don't know how to start it. And they were like, oh, I think you have to do something with the butterflies or something like that. So I went back into the experience and I was trying to like interact with these random butterflies, but it didn't do anything. I took the headset off again, like, uh, you know, it's not working. They were like, let me try and find someone who knows how this experience runs. So they try and find someone. They say, oh, it's this, you need to... And it was something so random... It was so random. It was not obvious at all. And by the time I got into the experience and it actually started working, I'd, I felt annoyed. I felt annoyed that I'd kind of wasted my time. I'd had a bad kind of experience. Um, I knew I was running late for my next thing. And now I was like super on edge because, well, if I didn't even know how to start it, what else is going to be in this experience that I'm not going to know how to do? And I'm in public. I'm in like a, you know, I'm in a a location where there's people wandering around and there's that element of feeling a bit embarrassed and looking like a moron for not really knowing what, what to do. And that is the kind of feeling that people can have if you have a bad onboarding experience. These are things you need to consider. Okay, so you know, prepping prepping them for what they're about to experience. If there's any complicated, uh, I mean, to be fair, you probably shouldn't make an experience that's complicated to interact with in the first place. But if you do, make sure you explain to your audience, this is how you interact. Is it with gaze, you know, moving their head around? Is it with a controller that they can interact with? You know, are you telling them like you're going to be interacting with physical objects or, you know, this is just an experience where you can look around? Even as something as simple as saying, remember this is 360 you can look all around because it's amazing how many people who have never done VR before just sit and stare straight forward because they've never done VR they they don't necessarily realize that they can turn around and see other stuff stuff like this that we take for granted because we've been in this industry so long so that's kind of that covers location base like you I hope you've kind of you understand what I'm picking at when I'm talking about onboarding that idea from going from not being in a VR headset at all to being in the experience in the flow being immersed that bridge is what you need to pay attention to so that's location based let's talk about I'm going to skip to um, director audience because I think remote service is the most interesting one to kind of tackle because I think that's what most of you listening will most likely be dealing with. Um, So we'll save that one to last. So let's talk about director audience. So this one's a little bit easier because if you're putting up on a VR app store, the assumption is that someone who is downloading your experience from an app store already understands how to interface with the technology. Okay, if I'm downloading your experience from Oculus Store or Steam or Vivepop, whatever, or even if like, you know, yeah, like any of those, the assumption is that I already know how to work a VR headset. So the key to onboarding someone who's downloading your game or your experience directly from a store is that initial kind of menu that first you know this is what you're about again it's that kind of this is what you're about to experience making it obvious what the interactions is going to be essentially what we're talking about is ux design user experience design and again 
a little bit less hurdles to jump over with direct audiences because they already know how to use VR. But even things with, again, thinking about, you know, teaching your audience from the start, how are they going to interact with this experience? Are they going to be using controllers? Are they going to be using gaze? You know, is it a static 360 experience? How does the menu work? You know, teaching them through the UX design, how they're going to be interacting with this medium, set the expectation. A great way to do this, if you are going to go direct to audiences, go and see what was already out there. Go look at like the top apps, like the top um, uh, apps in the in the Oculus store, or sort of see the ones that are being downloaded the most regularly. See what they do well, because you know those those kind of let's think about like you know a beat saber for example which is probably one of the most iconic vr games from the very start you understand how you're interacting with that you know they've got a great onboarding experience when you first do it it's a tutorial that shows you how it works you know you're going to use in controller in each hand they're both going to be a lightsaber you're going to you know if the arrow points this way you're going to slice the block that way if there's a wall coming towards you you're going to move to the side they're very very good at that onboarding and if you can get someone comfortable in that vr experience as quickly as possible the more likely they're going to pay attention. They're going to stay engaged. They're going to be excited um, about being in that experience because it allows them to be immersed. They don't have to worry about anything else. There's no friction. So that's all I'm going to say about direct audience because, again, that one has a little bit less challenges in terms of the onboarding. In terms of remote service, so this idea of, you know, you've created a VR experience And instead of running a physical VR event yourself or instead of uploading it to an app store, you're going to be kind of uh, licensing or giving this app um, or MP4 file to someone directly for them to have to kind of do, do it by themselves. The best example of something that I've done in this format is a project that I run with local hospices um, in the Midlands area. And this project is called I Experience VR. And it's the project originated as a way for hospice patients to get that kind of mindfulness, uh, that kind of escapism that they so often need when they're nearing end of life. It's also a way of having these bucket list experiences. You know, if someone's in hospice care and they just, I re- one, one, ex- one experience is what the one I talk about in my TED talk, um, which I will link in the, in the show notes if you've not listened to my TED talk, which is all about this experience of kind of running this uh, hospice project. Uh, one of them was a, a patient really wanted to go to the beach again, but you know we're in the Midlands. It would be pretty impossible to facilitate that for this lovely lady who is you know nearing the end of her life to go to the beach. So we took her to the beach in VR, and the reason that this is a good example of like remote service is because I'm not physically going to the hospice every day to run this VR project. I've you know, with my team, I've created this app and this uh, bundle of experiences, which the hospices themselves have to run. Okay, so it's something that we've created, but they're facilitating. And this has been 
one of the most eye-opening and challenging uh, VR experiences in terms of understanding how we can offload and and kind of give away the task of onboarding. As someone who is very well versed with technology, I've been around technology my whole life, it's my career, it seems really obvious to me how to use something like a VR headset. But you give that VR headset to not only someone that's never used it before, but someone who is then going to have to do the onboarding for those patients. So you give it to like a nurse practitioner or you give it to a volunteer and you say, you know, off you go. You're going to have to now go and put Mary in this VR headset. And so this was one of the most interesting kind of uh, challenges and experiences with, with creating an onboarding experience that works both for the actual end audience, which in this case is hospice patients, but also um, the people who we kind of call the VR champions, the people who have never used tech before, but are going to be the people that actually are the ones running the project. They're going to be the ones taking the VR out to, to patients. They're going to be the ones who have to maintain the the kit and know how to troubleshoot if someone can't do something for themselves. So you've got this kind of middle person that you now, so you've kind of almost got two onboarding experiences happening at the same time. And this process is really quite intricate and, and, and is, it's kind of the holy grail, I think. I, mean, I think I said this in the, in the last episode, especially if you're working in the corporate or commercial sector, remote service is where you want to get to because Obviously, it allows you to scale a little bit because it doesn't require you to be there every time that you want to run something. Um, but at the same time, it's got that uh, it's got that earning potential, um, which is you can charge a little bit more uh, for something that you're delivering directly to a client rather than just uploading to an app store. Um, which again, I talked about in last week's episode. So definitely go check that out if you haven't already. So. Let's talk about the onboarding experience that we kind of landed on with our hospice project, because maybe you can get some ideas from this. So you've created your experience. It's probably an app um, that hosts something, because if it's an MP4 file, that's a little bit, that's a little bit different, because obviously you could always... Um, talk them through how to sideload the file onto their headset to begin with and then kind of show them um you know okay you're just gonna open it and press play it's a little bit less tricky I mean there still are challenges with it and you still obviously have to have to consider that and maybe create some material that they can refer to if they forget so if they forget even just things like I'm all over the place a little bit here but stick with me um even something like as simple as how you turn it on how you navigate the startup menu because often these VR headsets it's not like it's bespoke software it's like it's they've got their own operating systems that you have to get through first before you even open your app or your uh, VR film so you know creating some material may be quite a, a good idea writing up a PDF about this is you know diagrams this is how you turn it on this is how you open the the video app this, you know, if you press play and this happens, do this, you know, some basic troubleshooting. Um, so you could do that. You could do that. But if you are delivering an app, um, obviously, 
the way that we decided to do it was that we would have the headsets, we would load the app onto every single headset. So, you know, they don't have to worry about that, but it already comes delivered with the app on it. But the onboarding experience for us was about uh, a series of training events with the quote unquote VR champions. So VR champions Obviously, you can call them what you want. But basically, these people, you need to identify them. If you're working with a, a, a client, you need to ascertain very quickly who is going to be the person in charge of the VR for that company. Who's going to be the one who looks after the kit, makes sure it's charged, makes sure it's anti-backed after it's been um, used. Who's going to be the person that if the app crashes and they can't work out how to restart the headset, who's the person going to be that someone can go to um, and who can fix that? Okay, this also streamlines who's in contact with you because realistically you don't want a a million different people in an organization contacting you about the VR. You want that one specific person to be your contact, the VR champion to be your contact so that if something goes drastically wrong and even they can't fix it, they can come to you. Okay, so let's uh, let's come back. So training this training um, training events kind of sequence. So what we found worked best was that we would do an initial in person training with all of the VR champions. So in our hospice case, usually that was between three and five nurses or volunteers who were going to be using the VR with the patients. We would then spend a good couple of hours walking them through the the app. We would actually just start by showcasing what some of the experiences were so they were familiar with the content. We would talk about things like, this is how you put the headset on. This is how you put it on a different, this is how you put it on someone else because that's very different to putting it on yourself. These are the things to to think about. Something as simple as if someone wears glasses, put the headset on eyes first because the amount of people that will (laughs) really struggle to try and like, you know, they put it on like a baseball cap and actually they end up knocking the uh, glasses off their face. These are all things that you start to understand, especially when when you have personally run VR events in person. These are the things that you kind of need to look out for. So anyway, first event, we train them all, couple of hours, talk them through the app, talk them through everything make them feel confident. We get them to kind of practice by doing it kind of on each other, like putting the headsets on, walking them through the experience. Now, in our case, we built a bespoke app that was specifically tailored to a slightly technophobic audience. So we made an app that was so simple and so obvious in terms of its user experience design um, that the whole point was that Hopefully these nurses and volunteers um, and anyone else that was using, I think some kind of uh, some of the occupational therapists used it as well. They would literally, as long as they could turn the headset on and they could locate the app and launch it, everything else would be super self-explanatory because it was so simple to use. So we get to the point that they're happy with it. We then go away and we come back in a month's time. So we come back in a month's time because one or two things will have happened by then. Either 
they will have forgotten every single thing that you said because they got so busy with what they were doing. They forgot that they haven't actually got around to implement the VR. They've not used it with that many people. Maybe they used it in a couple of sessions, but then it wore off because, you know, there wasn't processes in place, blah, 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 blah. So they either forgot everything that was happening. And so we kind of go in there and do a short another session with them and Literally, it comes back instantly because all they needed was a quick refresher. They just needed that confidence to know, to understand that they knew what they were doing. Um, so you either need, we either had that or we had the experience that they were flying, you know, because they'd got into a good rhythm. And then all that they wanted kind of refreshes on was, you know, little troubleshooting that had happened. Like, for example, this is a massive one to anyone that's working with a corporate client um, or anywhere that has company Wi-Fi that has... um, it's 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 one of those uh, company Wi-Fi's where you have to like sign in or you have to like tick a box uh, before it will allow you to properly connect to the internet. That is massive. That is one of the biggest things that I always get when people are like, it doesn't work. I'm like, okay, check your Wi-Fi, go to the actual settings, go to the Wi-Fi and chances are it shows that it's connected, but it's not really because you've not ticked that box yet. So go and do that. Oh yeah, it works. And the way that you can you can determine whether that is the problem is get them to connect it to a hotspot on their phone. So get them to connect. If they're having trouble with that and you want to find out very quickly if that's the problem, um, just get them to connect it to the 4G on their phone or take it home with them and uh, connect to their home Wi-Fi. And, and if it works, then it's, it's obviously a, a security feature on the company Wi-Fi. Just a little hot tip for you there. Um, So yeah, so either they've forgotten everything and they have that refresher or they remember everything, they're well away, they're loving it and you're just going in there to answer like these little kind of tidbit questions and then they're off. And then what we tend to do is just offer a kind of a follow-up call in three months time so bear in mind they've already it's already been a month since we've introduced it to the organization in three months time we're going to jump on a quick call so they can ask any follow-up questions this is usually where we kind of start to get the more um, not advanced questions but things like oh can we have an experience that does this or we've had patients that really want to do this or um, do you have any advice around you know, again, like maybe getting patients to be able to do it as a group or blah, 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 you know, endless kind of questions that come from that excitement of like having used it for four months at that point. And that's it. That's our kind of onboarding. And then they're off and then they can kind of do what they want. Now, you don't have to do this. You don't have to be as handholdy. It depends on which sector you're working with. With healthcare, because they have such a quite... (laughs) you know, quite a high pressure, high stress job as it is. They've got a million and one things they need to be doing and they've got to safeguard these kind of like these people in hospice care. They've got a million things to do. So their onboarding needs to be quite handholdy and, you know, we offer a lot of support because it's that kind of industry that doesn't necessarily lend itself to, oh yeah, we're going to roll out a VR training experience for a hundred people. We're going to run it as a session every single week. And we've got three employees who are in the kind of IT department that are going to help run it. You know, it's not that, that necessarily kind of thing. You might be working with a client that does have that though. You might have a client um, who commissions a bit of 
let's run with that example of VR training. Um, And all you need to do is kind of set up the onboarding so that, again, maybe it's a one-to-one session with the person who's going to be facilitating the training, or maybe it's just a PDF guide on how to do it. Maybe it's it's a video that you give them. Something that kind of gives them confidence that they know what they're doing to facilitate that VR experience. And then, obviously, then you kind of get into the weeds of, And you need to make sure you have a really uh, easy to understand and easy to use menu system. And you kind of, similar to the direct to audience route, you need to make it really obvious how someone is going to interact with your experience from the get-go. So, you know, once you've jumped over the hurdles of they physically know what to do, they physically know how to put it on someone's head, they physically know how to get into the app. Now you need to make sure that your experience either automatically starts or it has a tutorial on how to use it if it's a bit more complex you need to kind of set the tone right from the start of how that person will interact with your experience and then you've got the 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 um the after kind of care if you've got an experience that's quite intense, are you going to offer some kind of like off-boarding experience where it's kind of like a... I remember doing this experience once again at a film festival where afterwards you went and sat down for 10 minutes in this kind of cool um, like care room and you sat and you could have conversations if you wanted to with other people that just experienced it or you could just chill and they would offer you some water and it would just, just kind of br- like bring you back down from having quite an intense experience but even things like you know you need to make sure you're charging your kit or you need to make sure that those people who are facilitating are charging the kit you need to anti-back blah 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 blah. readjust the strap so that the next person that um uh comes in can adjust it for their own head side all of these things which you as a creative might not think is very sexy to think about, but these are going to be the things that make or break your VR business, essentially. If you can nail the onboarding experience, then there's not a single person in the world that won't love the experience of being in VR. Now, that is obviously a massive blanket statement and your your project has to be good, obviously, but I've not met a single person that didn't love their first or even their like 10th, just that early stage where they're just discovering VR. I've never met anyone that hasn't absolutely fallen in love with this technology, but only when the onboarding experience is done right. So this has been a super long episode. I didn't mean to ramble as much as I did, but I thought it was a really important topic to dive into. Again, following on from last week's distribution conversation, this is like the nitty gritty stuff about unless you're going to partner with an agency or or partner with a company that already does VR or partner with a team within a corporation that already knows how to use VR, this is the stuff that's going to set you apart from every other VR creator. This is the stuff that most VR creators aren't considering and it's why they fail. It honestly is because again, there's a million reasons why a company might not want to use VR. But if you can show that it doesn't have to be this big, scary new tech that no one knows how to use and is really clunky and expensive, it doesn't have to be like that. You know, the technology is getting cheaper. The the, the cost of making it is getting cheaper. Uh, the technology is getting slicker and the user experience of even just like the Oculus um, 
well, admittedly, I only use Oculus nowadays. So that that kind of user experience uh, of the menu and the operating system is getting so much better now. We are on the precipice of mass adoption, I believe. And it's still going to take a long time. And I think that the, the avenue that we will get mass adoption will be through enterprise to begin with, outside of, of the realm of like gaming or, or things like that. Um, so if you can, like, if you can kind of like take this technology to clients, whether that be through location based or through uh, remote service, or even if you wanted to upload it to an app store, if you can nail this onboarding, you are going to see massive retention, massive engagement. And guess what? If people like your VR experiences, if people feel like they've had a really smooth, slick, seamless, engaging experience, they're going to go tell people about it. And those clients are going to come back to you for more work. So it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy. Whereas if you have a bad experience, like I did with that weird butterfly experience, it's like, eh, I'm not going to maybe do an experience by that creator again because I just it was a very uncomfortable situation and even I hate to say it but kind of reflected badly on the film festival that was facilitating it because I mean no disrespect I appreciate it's hardcore putting on a physical event like that and they are at the time pre-covid obviously there's mass amounts of experience showing and not every volunteer that works for the festivals are going to know how to use this technology. But this is the difference. This is the make or break for our industry is making sure that if someone is facilitating VR, they know how to produce a good onboarding experience. Okay, ramble over. I hope you found this useful. I would love to hear from you if you did, or if you've got any follow-up questions on this. I'm super happy to chat about uh, any of the kind of uh, projects that I've worked on and what we learned from that. Maybe I'll do future episodes about specific projects again. Um, if you want to reach out to me, it's Alex Makes VR on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. If you want to email me something a bit longer, it's alexmakesvr at gmail.com. And just a little plug, I'm still taking on one-on-one -on -one consulting coaching clients. I've already got some phenomenal coaches that are doing brilliant things in the industry. So I would love, love, love to hear from you if you think that you could use some direction um, with your business uh, to get started with your projects, whether it's looking to scale up and land bigger clients, whether it's looking for accountability and advice on how to create your first or, 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 or um, you know, your, the kind of creative side of VR projects. I'm kind of coaching people across the board on all of this. So if you are interested in coaching with me, then please do email me alexmakesvr at gmail.com. Just put coaching or something in the subject line um, and we can have a chat from there. Okay, that's it from me. Have a wonderful day wherever you are in the world and I will speak to you next week.